what no one can take away from you is your personal story. And so it's striking a balance between weaving your personal story throughout your professional materials to show the human side of you, who you are. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. Have you ever wondered what it takes to put together a solid resume and cover letter and LinkedIn profile that tells your personal story, presents the best version of who you are, all to help you land a job that will bring you joy and make you happy? Well, look no further than this week's new episode with Sarah Sachs, the founder and CEO of Right for the Job, because from format to having a headshot to keywords to really how to put everything together, Sarah and I break it down in this week's episode. And I am so happy that she came on the podcast because I know firsthand how hard it is to figure out what your materials should look like, how much of your personal story you should really weave into your materials and Sarah is so good at this. She has this really incredible ability to hone in on who you are and your message and I could go on and on and on about her, but I will leave that for the actual episode. But Right for the Job is this really wonderful company that Sarah started that weaves your personal story into your professional materials so that you can really uniquely explain who you are and your expertise and your skill set to not only land a job that will bring you joy and make you happy, but allow you to thrive within that. And on this week's episode, we chat all about Sarah's top tips to create a resume and cover letter and LinkedIn profile that really proves you're right for the job. We also talk about her love of storytelling and how that led her to starting her company, why we really need to start weaving our personal stories and our personal brand into our professional materials. We also have a really wonderful conversation about balance and the side effects of being happy in your career. We talk about the magic of the power pose and how smiling, consciously smiling throughout your day is a total, total game changer. We also talk about Sarah's favorite quotes and the impact that Thrive Global has had on her life and so much more. So Sarah and I first connected, I think it must have been back in February, and we realized just how much we had in common right away, and she has just become such a wonderful friend and somebody who I really value in my life, and over the last six months... Yeah, I guess it's been six months. Sarah, can you believe we've known each other for six months? It feels like a hell of a lot longer, but we just had such a wonderful conversation and there are moments in it where I was cracking up when I was editing and I'm just really looking forward to you guys hearing this week's episode. Before we dive in, I have to share the iTunes review of the week, and this week it comes from Melody12245, and it says, Tear Jerker Episodes. If you're looking for encouragement, for a spark of light, for that feeling in your heart that makes you want to get up and dance, this is the podcast for you. Every episode highlights key ways to continue seeking the joy in your life. Thank you, Sydney, for owning your truth and for sharing these amazing stories. Melody, thank you so much for taking a couple of seconds to rate and review Seek the Joy podcast on Apple iTunes. If you've been enjoying this podcast, if an episode or a guest has inspired you in some way, if you want to just show some love and support for the podcast or for me, I would be so grateful. Just make sure to send a screenshot of your review to sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com. I will send you my guide for infusing more joy into your life as well as some Seek the Joy podcast stickers. All right, guys, that's it. As always, to learn more about this week's episode, head on over to the show notes section of our website, seekthejoypodcast.com slash show dash notes. There you can find out where you can connect with Sarah and write for the job. She also hosts competitive edge workshops in the New York City area. So if that's something you'd be interested in, definitely connect with her about that as well. And yeah, without further ado, here is my conversation with Sarah. 
Well, I'm super excited. I know we've been friends for only a few months now, and this just happened to be serendipitous, the way that we connected, and I just love what you're doing, and I'm so happy to be on here. I'm the founder and CEO of Write for the Job, that's W-R-I-T-E, and it's kind of a play on words. FYI, I love words because (laughs) of, of what I do, but it's like, write for the job, like you're scribbling and you're writing. And it's also your right for the job. You've got to prepare yourself to be right for the job. So it's all about revamping your professional materials, resumes, cover letters, LinkedIn profiles. So you can land a job that makes you happy. I love this. And also I probably should have started off by saying how we even met, which is so like classic 2018. So I think I posted in this create and cultivate Facebook group and you commented and we realized we're both from Southern California. We both went to USC. We know like 15 people in common because that's just how it works. And then we just kind of snowballed from there. So I'm so happy that you're on the podcast. Okay. So when did you start down this path of wanting to help people with their professional materials to really help them, I don't know, shine, right? So that they can land their their dream job. Sure. Well, my company has been around for three and a half years. However, this has been something that I've enjoyed doing for a long time. My background is actually in broadcast journalism. I was studying to be a broadcast journalist for 10 years in high school and in college. That's what I got my degree in. And one of my biggest passions is storytelling. Everyone needs to be able to tell their own story because that is what makes you truly unique. And right for the job really came about right after I graduated college, I was looking at some of my friends' professional materials. They wanted me to just skim it over because I'm a grammar freak and I like doing (laughs) this stuff anyway. And my friends are really impressive people. My friends have accomplished so many things. They volunteer. They're smart, ambitious, amazing people. And some of the resumes I got from my friends, I was like, this is so lackluster. This is so boring. You're so much better than this. So I'd be working with them on their professional materials. And I saw how knowing their personal story, knowing who they were, what they brought to the table and being able to position themselves, really showcasing who they are, what they've accomplished and the value that they bring to their future company was a way to land them a job that that made them happy. And so I started this business because I realized that even people who might think that they're okay and you know they know their self-worth, but maybe they don't feel confident enough to articulate it, or maybe they just don't know how. Sometimes it's hard to talk about yourself. And you know, I love being able to tell other people's stories. And it's not just your story, it's what you bring to the table, the value you offer. Yeah. So when someone works with you, you know, what can they expect? What What is your process really like? With each of my clients, the key is to get to know who they are. And so we'll talk about your vision for your professional materials and what your goals are for these professional materials, what types of jobs you want to apply to, or if, even if you're not applying for a job, how you want to present yourself and tell your personal and professional story. And then once we've had that conversation, you'll give me your existing professional materials if you have them and we'll go line by line. And I'm going to have a ton of questions for you. I'm going to ask you what you've accomplished and the value that you've brought to your past positions and really get a sense of some of the anecdotes that you've had from those experiences. So I'll take copious notes. And then once we've had our conversation, I'll go back and within about a week, I'll make sure that you have your first draft of your professional materials. And then it's the tweaking process. It's making sure that it's in your own voice, in your own words, showcasing who you are and making sure that I've done an accurate job. And we'll go back and forth and we'll tweak it to your liking. And then you'll feel a lot more confident going into the job process and application process. I love this. I love what you just said about the storytelling aspect, because often, you know, we're so much better at telling other people's stories versus telling our own stories. And so I love how you 
take like a snapshot of who a person is and you totally weave it in to their professional materials. And I should probably say you've helped me with mine, which was such an amazing (laughs) experience because you think you know what you're doing. You think you know how to write a resume or a cover letter or put together a LinkedIn profile until you have another pair of eyes to look at it. You know what I mean? Who can really look at who you are and your accomplishments and put it together in a different way than you would be able to do it yourself. And so what is the experience like for you being able to tell other people's stories? I feel like this obviously brings you a lot of joy. Totally. It brings me a lot of joy to see other people succeed and just move forward in a way that gives them confidence. There are hundreds, if not thousands of people applying for the same job, especially if you're applying through Indeed or Monster or anything like that. And they might have the same exact experiences that you've had in terms of internships or jobs. They've had the same marketing experience. They've had the same volunteer experience, maybe in, in, you know, pro bono type of work, but what no one can take away from you is your personal story. And so it's striking a balance between weaving your personal story throughout your professional materials to show the human side of you, who you are. I mean, companies these days don't just pick candidates in the pool of applicants just for their experience. They want to know that you're somebody that they'll be able to mesh well with in the work environment. The Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, the most recent study in 2015, says an average person works about 8.8 hours per day. And we all know that it's probably a lot more than that. But that means in an average year, you're spending just over 2,000 hours per year at work. And in an average lifespan, your career is about 44 years. So that's just shy of 93,000 hours that you're spending at work. 93,000. That's a ton. And so it not only goes to show that you need to find a job that makes you happy because that's a heck of of a lot of your life, but employers are also looking for people that have the skill set and the personality and the vibe that's going to fit with the company while you're at work. Cause they also want to have a good time. They also want to be happy. And yeah. it's just a matter of marketing yourself so that you show who you are and the skills that you provide. Yeah. I love everything that you just said, because something that I have been wondering a lot for myself and also for my friends who, um, either recently are employed or in the job market is how personal do you actually get with your materials? Because it's so fascinating coming from a law school legal background where it's like be very straightforward, cut and dry versus maybe someone who comes from a more creative background who is more apt to tell their story in their materials. And so I agree. I really have found it is about telling your story. And if someone wants to start to weave in a little bit more of their personality and their personal story into their materials, what would be your biggest tip? Of course, Everything is personalized. And so what works for one industry doesn't necessarily work for another. So there are different areas in which you can weave your personal story throughout and some more than others, you can have more of your story in it. But let's take it by the type of professional material. Let's first start with your resume. Resume should always have a summary at the top. And that doesn't mean a full on paragraph. That's not what I'm talking about. Nobody wants to read a chunky paragraph on your resume. (laughs) Like I'm the biggest advocate for bullet points throughout your whole resume. It just makes it easier to scan and people don't spend that much time on resumes anyway. Right. That's not to say they're not important. They're very important. But going back to what I was saying about the summary at the top, you want to create a punchy summary and it's called a summary, but I really think of it as one, maybe two sentences that are not in full sentences. It could, it could be more punchy to talk about who you are, what your experience has been, how many years maybe you've been in the field, just kind of a way to add your flavor so that that's at the top and it, it puts context 
for what these employers and HR professionals and recruiters are looking at for the rest of your resume. So it kind of gives context, right, as to who you are. So what would be a good thing to put up there? Why you're applying for this job or a highlight of your experience? What would you put? So the biggest thing is always to look what the job description is for the position you're applying to. And you need to be able to tweak your professional materials to reflect what they're looking for and very clearly match why you are right for the job, the value that you bring in relation to what they're looking for. So at the top of your resume, you look at some of the key characteristics that they're looking for in their candidates and you say, okay, I have A characteristic, I have B characteristic, I have C characteristic, and I'm going to showcase those things throughout my professional materials. So here's one. This is a client of mine. I did her summary. She is a registered nurse. She's been in the field for many, many, many years. And her resume was just all over the place, frankly. Mm -hmm. And she's really, really accomplished and incredible. She didn't even have a summary before. And her summary now is compassionate, bilingual, registered nurse who delivers the highest quality of health care, ensuring geriatric patients safety, comfort, and well-being. Wow. It's one sentence. It's not a a grammatically correct full sentence. It's punchy. It gives you a sense of who this person is. I use this as an example of one of my, my clients because it's not long. It's one sentence, but you get a whole lot of who this person is just from that one sentence. And it puts the context in for when you're scanning all the way down the resume. So it sets it up, right, for the person who's reading it to know who this person is, what their strengths are, what they're looking to do. And plus, it's it's captivating, right? So it makes them want to continue to read throughout the rest of the materials rather than just kind of like skimming and tossing, which I think happens to a lot of us. Totally, totally. And, you know, I think people underestimate the power of a punchy intro. I mean, think about it this way. When you're reading news articles, or maybe not even news articles, just regular articles, how many times do you scroll to the middle or maybe even the end of the article if the beginning sentence is not good? Never, never. So it's the same type of thing for a resume. And even for a LinkedIn profile, you have the headline section. You want to put something similar to your summary in your LinkedIn headline section, Mm. shorter, more concise. You have to chop it, but similar. And then in the bio, you're able to, of course, give a little bit more detail. So there are a lot of different ways you can weave in your personality, but I would say your LinkedIn headline yeah. and your summary is a great place to start. I love this. Okay, so what about the rest of the resume? Because this is this is just reminding me of my aunt who received um, a resume probably like a couple months to a year ago, and the person had different fonts everywhere and colors, and it was a way to really make them stand out. You know what this reminds me of in um, Legally Blonde where she has her resume yes. on on pink <laughs> scented paper. So like, should people be going that that direction with showcasing their personality or should they still, you know, make it maybe more traditional or conservative and like not on pink scented paper or not with colorful fonts and headlines and stuff like that? Well, on the topic of Legally Blonde, before I even answer that I, question, I exactly did you what see? Say. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Reese Witherspoon so excited. on Instagram just the other day. Her, the way she see, so, okay, that's a really good example of putting something out there that's extremely captivating. It's not yes. saying a lot. It was just her. God, I hope everyone listening to this has already seen this, but it's just her floating on a like a like a pool floaty on a like across the pool, which of course takes you back to the first movie. And she doesn't even have to say anything. You know exactly what is happening, what she's talking about. So I think it goes, it applies to the resumes and the LinkedIn. It's like, just have something that's going to be so captivating that'll make people want to keep reading more about you anyway. Exactly. And I'm not (laughs) saying put fluff on there. Absolutely not. No one wants to read fluff. And first of all, I would recommend not having more than two fonts on your resume. You have a headline font and you have a body text font. But the thing that you can do is adjust the bold and the italics. The average recruiter 
or HR professional spends an average of six seconds. That's reading it? Around. That's it. <laughs> oh my God. So that goes to show, A, you need it to be captivating. Yeah. B, it needs to be aesthetically pleasing. And C, you really need to take advantage of how to draw your eye to certain parts of the resume. And you do that by using the bold feature, italics, capitals, non-capitals. But the key to all of this stuff yeah. is to make it consistent. And I think what a lot of people underestimate is the power of white space on a resume. Hmm. You have to be able to draw the eye to certain pieces of information. And how do you do that? You have to use white space to contrast the words. Yeah. And so it's not only about color and flavor and icons. Some people are putting icons in their skill section. There's a time and place for that. Sure. But you always have to balance the words that you use, the word choice, keywords that you use throughout your resume and the white space. So, okay, should people create new materials for every job that they apply to? Yes and no. You should always tailor your resume cover letter to that particular position. We all know when we get something generic, and that goes back to what we were saying about looking at the job description, making sure that you're using similar language in the job description into your resume and tweaking it. But if you're switching industries entirely, I would recommend just starting from scratch. You can still use the other as a base to build off of, but definitely I would suggest starting from scratch to create a whole new brand. So in your cover letter, should you apply every keyword that is in the job description or should you be discerning with that? It's not like job descriptions say, here are all of our keywords. So put them into your resume. <laughs> true that. That is true. <laughs> keywords, yes. You want to be able to identify maybe like three or four key qualities that they're looking for in a job applicant and weave those throughout your professional materials and make it a very, very clear link that you have the qualities that the job is asking for. But I wouldn't say stress out about keywords. I wouldn't say put a hundred different keywords throughout all three of your professional materials. Use a few, weave them throughout, and I and you'll be fine. And also, I'm sure, too, within the cover letters, you know, it's about focusing on your strengths, you know, the same way you do in your resume. So it goes back to that storytelling aspect, too, of wanting to, you know, use your own voice. And we touched a little bit on the heading in the LinkedIn profile. Um, are there some non-negotiables that every LinkedIn profile should have? A headshot with good lighting where we can see your face. I know that sounds so elementary, but there are so many people on LinkedIn where I can't even see your face. <laughs> Another key thing, a bio. This doesn't necessarily have to be a traditional bio that you create for yourself, but this is a key part of the LinkedIn profile where you get to sell yourself in your own words and really create context for who you are, the value that you bring, and the problems that you can solve for your future employers. It doesn't need to be long. It could be two paragraphs, a couple sentences kind of broken up, but that's really a critical way that you can sell yourself. And the third thing, of course, there are many others, but the third thing that I think is really important is having media on your profile, on your LinkedIn profile. So let's say you have a personal website, stick it on there. Let's say you're in marketing and PR and you've worked on a particular campaign, link to that campaign when it comes to that section of your LinkedIn profile. There are things that you can do on LinkedIn that you can't necessarily do on a resume and take advantage of the way that technology is moving these days. So it, instead of just saying that you can do it, you're proving right. that you can do it. Yeah. Albert Einstein once said, strive not to be a success but rather to be of value. And that is the key thing to think of when it comes to your professional materials. Right for the job, yes, tackles your personal story, talks about your experience, but we're not just saying what you've done. Mm -hmm. We're saying, here's who you are, 
This is your value. And here's what you can add to your future company. It's not about what you've accomplished. It's what you bring to the table. And you always have to remember that when it comes to every single bullet point on your resume, when it comes to every piece of media that you add to your LinkedIn profile, and especially when it comes to your cover letter, when you're showing examples of what you've accomplished. No one cares what you accomplished. It's what you do with that accomplishment. What did it bring? What results did you create? And how can you replicate that again for a future company? Mike, drop. Honestly, I love (laughs) that. I love that because it's really about who you are as a person and the value that you can bring to the table. What I'm about to ask you reminds me a lot of something we were talking about the other day, which is there's always a way to pivot or transition or to um, explain your skill sets in a way that go hand in hand, that mesh with what's being asked in the in the job description. So let's say there's someone out there listening to this who's in that position. What would be your advice to them or what would you do You know, working with them? Sure. Well, first of all, I would say that The majority of my clients are people in their 40s and 50s who have been in the same type of position for a really long time. Mm. And they're realizing that life is short and they want to do something different. They want to make a change. They want to switch industries. They want to do something that makes them happy. And so the key is to find the skills that you've built from your past experience that are applicable in the future industry. There are so many skills that work from one industry to another and just cross pollinate. If I'm using that. Yeah, they're transferable, right? I mean, you can use, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, it's like just because it applied in one area or one particular career, you know, it can totally apply in another. Absolutely. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about checking the job description and seeing multiple jobs that you would be interested in, in a particular field, even if it's a total switch in industry and look at what the qualities are in that applicant that they're looking for and say, okay, let's take a look at what the skills that I've built on in my past experience. X, Y, Z are applicable. So I'm going to focus my resume, my professional materials on those skills. But in addition to that, let's say you have no experience in that field, but you're dying to get into that field. For example, I have had a client that is an accountant and she's worked at banks and she's been successful there, but her heart and her soul is in fashion and she wants to get into the beauty industry Mm. and not necessarily doing accounting per se in that industry, but something to do with design. And she comes to me and she goes, what do I do? I have no experience in that. And there are two ways to handle it. And you could take both ways at the same time. The first volunteer People Mm. underestimate how valuable volunteer experience is. Yeah. Yeah. Or like interning in some way, like even if it's a couple hours a week, you know, just to do something to get experience right within that particular field. Exactly. And you want to be able to build your skills. Everyone's looking for a helping hand. You just have to figure out how to be that hand. Totally. How to sell yourself so that you can get that experience Mm. and put it on your resume. Yeah. Uh, Going back to your original question you put yourself out there to gain that experience first without the expectation necessarily of getting paid and just, you know, meet people, learn, observe the the environment, learn the jargon, learn the basics, do your research online, uh, immerse yourself as much as possible in that industry and try to figure it out. I mean, look at how bloggers these lifestyle bloggers have really made a name for themselves. A lot of them didn't have any kind of experience in this industry. They just had a passion for fashion and, and stuff that I know nothing about, frankly. (laughs) It's so true though. You figure it out. Yeah. So they immerse themselves and they got the experience. And a lot of people, they start blogs Take you for an example. You're the exact. I was just thinking I'm a really good example. (laughs) Like your story is inspiring. You just had a passion for wellness and balance and 
doing something good for yourself and you created this podcast and you made it personal and I just love you so much oh, and I love what you're love what you, you you're do so and sweet. what, <laughs> what but you it's stand so true for. it's like I had no see it's so funny you have you you have broadcast journalism experience I have nothing I was like I have no media experience I have no interview experience no tech like no editing experience nothing but I fully immersed myself in this and I've taught myself everything from I don't know who I see I've been saying this phrase all the time and I haven't even said it yet but I'm laughing but I've taught myself everything from soup to nuts and I hope my dad is listening to this and laughing I don't know where we heard that phrase but I've been saying it now nonstop. but it's true you immerse yourself and the things that you're excited and you're passionate about. And then next thing you know, you meet a ton of wonderful people who are also totally. doing things that they love that might just so happen to be in the field or the industry that you want to be in. And so I think it also goes to show, you know, not only is it about rebranding yourself or even just creating that personal brand for yourself, because that's what you're really doing when you create these materials is you're really creating a personal brand. And I think that's something that people need to start integrating. It's like, it's not just your resume. It's not just your cover letter. It's like who you are at your at the core. And you want to showcase that and, and share that story. And the more that we do that and we make things personal, I think, I don't know, you start to stand out more and it's less like, it's less like a carbon copy of what everybody else is doing. Absolutely. And you know, I have to say just yesterday or the day before in that create and cultivate group that we're mm -hmm. part of, mm -hmm. there was somebody who posted a question about how she feels like she has so many interests and she's done so many different things. And it's hard for her to brand herself because uh, she's lucky that there are so many things that interest her and excite her. Well, the thing is pick one or two right now, mm -hmm. create your professional and personal brand for right now. Everyone is always evolving. You can so always shift. So for people like that, I would just recommend think about what drives you the most right now and create your cohesive story throughout your professional materials for now yeah. and know that in a year, five years, it might be different and that's totally okay. People want to see growth. Yeah. And it also reminds me what you were talking about with your personal story that inspires me, frankly, my favorite, favorite quote of all time. Yeah. And I don't even know who said it. I just heard it. And I have this like quote. <laughs> you note. have to share it. Yeah. <laughs> I have this quotes list on my notes in my phone. Uh, the quote is never put the key to your happiness in someone else's pocket. I wish people could see me right now. I'm like, yes, I love that quote because really you can't give that power away. Right. You have to be the one that unlocks that for yourself. And that brings me back to a quote that is on your website. You, you basically have this theory that if more people had jobs that made them happy, the world would be a kinder and friendlier place and everyone would be in a better mood and we'd communicate with each other nicely and in a better way. And there would just be overall happiness. And so it goes to that quote that you just shared, which is really like, if you figure out what makes you happy and what you're passionate about and what, how that can translate into a career that you really love, it unlocks so much within you and it allows you to grow and um, meet new people and have different experiences. And again, it goes back to what you were saying. It like, it's like you're giving yourself that power as opposed to giving it away to somebody else because I can literally name in this moment 10 people in my life who are in careers that they absolutely hate but they feel like they don't have a choice or they feel like they don't know how to pivot or transition you know into something else that would really make them happy and so if you can do exactly what you've been saying which is to brand yourself and really you know figure out those interests that you love and start with two and know that you can grow and evolve and change um, and then in a year's time, you know, rebrand yourself or restructure your materials. I just think start somewhere, you know, and really figure out what makes you happy and follow it. Right. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, that's me, I need to figure it out. Yeah. I need to find who I am and what my story is and create my brand so that I can take that leap and not just take that leap, but be confident mm. in taking that leap then please, please, please email me. Yeah. I'm always happy to chat. We can set up 10 minutes to talk on the phone and just you know, mm. talk about your vision for what you want. 
for anyone who's listening, it's write for the job now at gmail.com. W R I T E. Yeah. So I encourage you to reach out because when you're happy, Mm. it seeps into every single aspect of your life. And think about it on the reverse. I've been unhappy in my job, not because I don't love my job. I love my job, Mm -hmm. but everyone has their down days. And when I have those days, the negativity seeps into my personal relationships. I'm way less friendly to my family and to my friends Mm -hmm. when I talk to them. I'm definitely snappy. It seeps into my social life. I don't want to go out. I don't want to be social. I don't want to hang out with my friends. It seeps into my energy levels. It weighs me down. I'm more tired when I'm negative. On the flip side, when you're happy, it improves every single aspect of your life. And there are so many studies that prove that when you're happy, you live a longer life. You're living a better life. You're embracing the moments. And that's what Right for the Job is all about. It's setting you up so that you can tackle the job market with confidence, but also so that you can find something that makes you happy because life is way too short to be unhappy. Totally. Like we were saying earlier, you spend 93,000 hours That's in your entire bananas. life. That's crazy to You've me. You've got to be happy. Yeah. And so for you, you know, what are some things that make you really happy aside from obviously doing this and your job and what are some <laughs> things that really make you happy? Oh, I love that question. There are so many things. Everything from, like, I just took a trip to Seattle and Victoria, British Columbia. Mm. And I was at Bouchard Gardens. And whoever has not been there and is looking for a place to go, it is absolutely stunning. And the flowers there, I promise you I'll answer your question, but the flowers (laughs) there are just so vivid and colorful and big and beautiful. And something like that, where... I'm living in New York City and as amazing, amazing as it is, and I'm so grateful to be able to survive in this crazy nutso place, being in nature and seeing flowers and colors, and I'm a very visual person, just sunshine and skies, and there's this amazing feeling of when you wear socks to bed and then you take them off under the covers. That's an amazing feeling. <laughs> that makes it. me happy. I mean, spending time with people who fuel your soul. Yeah. They just add so much life and they give you life and they're positive and they're encouraging, but they're not like a yes person. They'll yeah. still tell you straight yeah. how it is. Things like that make me happy. I think there have been moments in my life where I've realized that life is very short and I don't want to be around people who do not feed my soul in the best possible way. And so I make an active decision every single day to surround myself with people who are smarter and better at other things than I am to lift me up, to add value, to add interest and, and, and passion into my life. And I also choose to do things that I want to do. And I smile a lot. (laughs) You do. You're constantly smiling and I love it. And you know, it's so interesting about what you just said. I have really found that in order to connect and find people and surround yourself with people who feed your soul requires you first to figure out what feeds your soul. And I feel like you have totally done that. And I will say this too, every time you and I get off the phone, I'm always like so energized and so happy and you have just the best energy and the best personality. And so it's so wonderful to hear that you make such a conscious effort to really, I don't know, surround yourself with people who mimic that. Thank you. I feel the total exact same way. (laughs) Um, I also, speaking of quotes, since we're both quote freaks, there's another quote that I love that says, the day will go the way the corners of your mouth turn. And it also reminds me of something that I've heard that I don't know if it's scientifically proven or not, but if you're in a bad mood and you smile, even if it's a fake smile, you just like smile, it creates the endorphins, whatever, and then you get happier. Yeah. Well, if you choose to smile that day, 
your day is going to be better than it was if you didn't. I will say this, like I've had days where it's just a real crappy day, but I force myself to stare in the mirror and smile. And this comes from like years of being in therapy and like my therapist telling me to do that, but it helps. It just like lifts you up because if you're walking around with a frown, right. And you're upset and everything is just garbage (laughs) that day. It's like, you're going to project that. And so if you can switch it up for yourself in that moment and literally just take a couple of seconds, maybe 15 to smile consciously, it totally, I think it does have that sort of endorphin effect. I totally agree. I love that you do that in the mirror. I have to say, because I live in New York city and there are like millions of people on the sidewalk all the time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like I'm invisible when I'm totally not. Everyone sees you on the street, but when I'm having one of those bad days, I do sometimes I'm like walking from the subway back to my office or something. I'll just walk in with a huge smile on my face, not looking at anyone in particular, but thinking in my head, okay, I got to get my endorphins going. I need to get in a better mood. I need to, you know, it's okay to feel what you're feeling, but it's another thing to wallow there. And so I, sometimes if you'll see me just smiling (laughs) on the street, it might not be because I'm happy. It's because I want to get happy. Right. But it's about, (laughs) it's about having that awareness for yourself and knowing you need to switch it up and change it. Another great tip that was given to me a couple of years ago was if you want to raise your energy level, right. To, to, for a call or a meeting or just in life, you jump around like you jump up and down and I wish people could see me, but it's like raise the roof with your hands and you do it for like 30 seconds and you tell yourself like, it's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great call. Like I sound like a nut job, but it really helps. It totally just switches the energy up for yourself. So if you're at home and you're listening to this and you want two good tips, really honestly for switching up your mood and your energy and, and taking yourself out of that space, smile, consciously smile and then just jump up and down and raise the roof because it really really helps I promise I believe it I've also heard that if let's say you're going into a job interview and you want to kind of like get the jitters out you go into the bathroom and strike a power pose whatever that power pose will be and hold it for 15 20 seconds it'll immediately give you a little bit more confidence than what you had before and I'm also a big advocate of if you look great, you feel great. Totally. Wear stuff that makes you confident. Wear stuff that makes you feel powerful or passionate or, you know, in love. Whatever you want to feel at that particular moment, maybe not necessarily for a job interview, but just (laughs) in general in life, wear things that bring out the emotion that you want to be. Totally. And it works. It totally works. Right. It applies to everything, you know? So how do you balance all of this? Because you don't just do right for the job. You also have a full-time job and friends and family and your own self-care. So how do you balance everything? It's hard. Yeah. I will say I'm super proud and excited that I have two interns this summer Uh, for right for the job. Yeah. That's really cool. I will say. So I'm hoping that they take a big load off. I have a zillion things that I want to do with right for the job. And it's just finding time. Like you said, people say it all the time, but it's so true. Prioritizing. There were periods of time, months at a time where I was prioritizing right for the job to get certain things done. And I stopped hanging out with friends as much. And I would come home from my full-time job that I absolutely love and and I'm grateful for and I'm passionate about. And I'd come home and I'd sit on my couch and I'd open my computer and I'd start working on the website for Right for the Job. I'd be adding a new blog post for tips of, of certain things. And balancing is totally hard. How do I do it? I mean, I'm an organized freak. I have a color-coded calendar, and I basically chunk out time throughout my week to do everything. So, And I have mapped out times to relax. And I know that sounds super rigid and structured, but frankly, I wouldn't relax if I didn't have time to do it because there's always so much to do. And there was a period of time... I think we spoke about this one of the first times we talked on the phone. Ariana Huffington's newest venture, Thrive Global, is such a 
huge inspiration for me. And it actually launched publicly at a time that I needed it the most. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for that. For those of you who don't know what it is, it's essentially a website and a culture that she's building internationally to embrace more sleep so that you can function at a, at a much higher capacity. And yeah. the second thing that she really advocates for is taking time to be introspective and take time for yourself and to be well and to exercise and to, to do all the little things and just not even do all of it at once. Take teeny, teeny, tiny steps. Like for instance, ever since I started reading Thrive Global, I started putting my phone on sleep mode when I sleep. I know that sounds crazy that I wasn't doing that before. I was going to say, just, why weren't you doing that? <laughs> I know. I was just dumb. I, I don't know. I'm not technologically savvy, but now I do it. And so I get so much better sleep. And yes, I should be sleeping with my phone, not next to my bed, but frankly, the outlet situation in my apartment is not very convenient. So it's right by my bed. I'm right but, there with you. Yeah. But she gives you suggestions on all these little things that you can do to make quality improvements to your life mm. so that you're able to be more present in the moment, connect with people. And this venture that completely inspires me really came at a point in my life where the previous eight or nine months, I wasn't in a good space. I kind of going back to what we were talking about, how when things are negative and you're unhappy in one aspect of your life, it seeps into so many other aspects of your life. And I'm so grateful to be a naturally happy person most of the time. And yes, I make that choice to be, but this period of time was just awful. Yeah. And so Thrive Global really has brought me to this headspace and given me a reminder of the little tweaks that we can make in our day-to-day -day lives that will add happiness that will add joy, that will add yeah. serenity. Okay, I'm going to include a link to them in the show notes for this episode because honestly, it sounds like you've taken so many great tips and the truth is, is like, life is this life is so short and you really want to take advantage of every day and every moment and I think, listen, you can't be happy all the time. It's impossible. I'm certainly not happy all the time, but if I can find ways to navigate and transition out of those low moments to come back to a higher space within myself, like I'm all for it. And so it's so wonderful to hear that you really found things that work for you, found a resource, right? That really works for you. And now <laughs> you've clearly transitioned, you know? Yeah. And I would also say one of my biggest takeaways from she, so she has Thrive Global and she also wrote this book called Thrive, which is very similar. The biggest takeaway as well is she really encourages people to unplug and unplugging yeah. is so important, especially when it comes to vacation. And it's making sure that you're not glued to your phone. And I know, I know a lot of people are thinking, well, my job wouldn't have that. Like they need to have me on call all the time. Yeah. What if there's an emergency, blah, blah, blah. I hear you. I understand, but you set the precedent. So true. If you make it a point to say, and to live by the fact that you turn your work phone off on the weekends, or you don't respond to work emails on the weekends, you're setting that precedent that you're not reachable. If there's an emergency, your boss will know how to contact totally, you. Yeah. But when it comes to day-to-day -day operations, random emails that everyone has to accomplish, don't do it. It saves yourself so much stress and anxiety. And I love both of my jobs, but there's a time to be working your 93,000 hours right. in your lifetime. And then there's a time not. Yeah. And so set that precedent. And I, and someone told me that a couple of years ago. Um, and he said like, listen, like you are a hard worker and it's great that you're a hard worker and you give everything your all, but you're setting the precedent that they expect that from you all the time. So right. if you're not supposed to be on call or reachable on a weekend because you're not logging hours, you know, billing hours or whatever it might be, then don't be reachable and it's okay. But I think so many of us are so fearful that, you know, 
it'll upset our boss or our supervisor or they want us to be available or, you know, what if it's not meeting an expectation that was set out for us, but maybe that's like an unhealthy expectation period. And so that's like a whole other probably like conversation and reflection of, you know, what that really means for you. And if you need to transition out of that, but I love what you just said. It's like set those boundaries for yourself. Yeah. I mean, one of Thrive Global's goals is to integrate more of this culture of turning off your phone, having the separation, more sleep, all of that into fortune 500 companies across the world and really any company so that there's better work-life balance and more time to be who you are, uh, and to add to your personal life. Cause that's so important. Amen, sister. I love this. So Sarah, what would you say is your biggest dream? I think my biggest dream is for every step of the way in my life to make sure that I feel fulfilled and that I'm happy because I know that happiness is contagious. And that's what my company is all about, right? For the job, landing a job that makes you happy because it seeps into every single aspect of your life. And my biggest dream is just to make sure that If I'm happy, other people can find their happiness or get in touch with that part of themselves that brings joy. And the world could really use more of that these days. Mm -hmm. With everything going on internationally, the divisiveness that's happening in our country right now on a whole host of issues. And we have to be happy. It sounds so simple and cheesy and dumb, but it's true. It's so Mm -hmm. true. It's so true. I love that. That's beautiful. I love, I have loved having this conversation with you. I love you. I'm so happy that we have connected. I'm so happy you came on the podcast. I feel like this conversation is to be continued. I feel like you are coming back, um, even if it's just to talk about life, because I feel like there's so much more. (laughs) Yeah, I love this. So where can everyone find you? find right for the job, start working with you. Yeah. Where can everyone find you? You can find me on my website, rightforthejob.net. That's W-R-I-T-E. And you can also find me on Facebook and LinkedIn. If you go to my website, I'll just click over there. And I encourage you to reach out. As I said before, if you feel like you want to connect, if you're ready to either land a new job that makes you happy, or maybe even if you're not looking for a job, a lot of my clients aren't even looking for a job, but they know that they want to be prepared and they, they want that extra boost of confidence. Shoot me an email. I would love to connect. I personally respond to every single email. So it's right for the job now at gmail.com. Perfect. I love this. Everything is going in the show notes. So it'll be so easy for everyone to find you. And thank you for coming on seek the joy podcast. I know so many people are just going to totally benefit from this conversation. So thanks for chatting with me. Of course. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.